The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. So the theme for this year is higher, deeper, wider. You've heard us speak about uh, the fact that this is our theme higher, deeper, wider. And uh, very simply, is this is that when we go higher with God, then that will give us a deeper understanding of life and what, what it's all about. And once we've got a higher revelation of God, a deeper understanding of life, that will cause us to be able to have a wider outreach. And because life, life is pretty dull if we leave it just for ourselves. Life is full when we help others and when we you know, go wider and touch people's lives. You know, there's just something beautiful about being able to help others. There's just something beautiful about being able to minister to others. And as Liz said, uh, just some of the stuff we do all over the world is just unbelievable. It's just amazing. So you've got Gustav and Helena that are cooking up the goulash this morning. Incidentally, it's free. So uh, after the service this morning, we're going to give you goulash and rice, beautifully cooked Hungarian goulash. And, um, and so there's the donation box if you want to donate. And it's about church planning in Hungary. And Gustav is 75. He's 75, folks. So he's cooked goulash for the whole church. And then in the middle of the year, he goes off to Hungary and plants churches in Hungary. We're talking, you know, scores of churches that he's... 75! With his wife, Helen. I don't know how old Helena is, but she's obviously much younger. And... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but they do this, and, and, and uh, what happened a few years ago, uh, uh, Helena and Gustav took Helen to Hungary, and uh, they preached in an open field. So these, these Roma people, you call them gypsies, but they're really better known as Roma, Roma people, had this block of land, and that's where the church met. It was in an open field, and how many of you know, you know, you think it's hot now, but you're in air conditioning it's hotter outside. But then in Hungary in winter, it snows. And the only thing they had on this block of land was a baptismal font to baptize people. And so Helen came back and said, we're going to build a church, a building. And, and so through your donations, we've actually built a building, a church building in Hungary that we've built for others. And in April, I'm going across to Hungary to dedicate the building and do a pastor's conference in this building that we have literally paid for to build. And that's just one of many things that come from your donations. And, you know, that's just something that we're able to do when we go wider. You know, we talk about at this church, you don't pay for your coffee, you get free coffee if you want barista coffee. And we've got a group of volunteers that are just so exceptional in the way that they serve. And your donations from the coffee builds wells in Cambodia. So we, we have access to an initiative in Cambodia that actually gives water to villages that don't have any clean water. And, and so we're able to, through your donations, dig wells. I mean, we're talking about around about a thousand bucks, we can actually dig a well. And a concrete well where they get clean water for a thousand bucks. And so, you know, you've been drinking the coffee, donating, and, you know, we've raised $34,000. We've built 34 wells in Cambodia. 
And now what we're doing is that we're following up these, these communities by planting churches and we're training up. Um, at the moment, we've got about 20 church planters trained and ready to go to plant churches in these communities. And it's about going wider. Can you get this? It's about going wider. And we live a big life when we go wider. When we become self-absorbed and just, it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me, I need more, 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 more. It's a really small life. When, when we go wider, it's a big life. And can I just say that we are so blessed by living in Australia. You, you've just got no idea how blessed you are. Sometimes we just look at what we don't have. And we need to stop sometimes and look at what we do have. Because we are unbelievably, amazingly in the top, top small percentile of people on this planet. We are above all people incredibly blessed. I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, I am blessed. blessed. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are blessed. blessed. There's no question about it. No question about it. So, So we need... We need to get it all into perspective, all into perspective. I'm blessed, you know, beyond measure in so many ways. Um, you know, you, you guys bless me. It's just awesome to, to be part of this amazing church. It's just such a blessing to pastor you. It's such, such a wonderful thing to be your pastor. I'm blessed by having the most amazing wife on the planet. And, uh, you know, I tell her every day that I love her. And it's just an amazing thing to get older with someone and do life together. I've got uh, three amazing children and um, two of them are married and it's the, uh, there's a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law that are being brought into our family. It's just amazing. I'm totally blessed. And so my son, my eldest son, who's 35, lives in Brisbane uh, with his wife that bought a house in Brisbane. And so we were able to go after church on New Year's Eve, flew up to Brisbane and spent the last week or so with my son and daughter-in-law. Anna's still there, but I needed to come to be with you today. Um, but Steve, Steve's very happy in Brisbane, loves Brisbane, and has got a nice house in Brisbane and a great job. And one of his jobs that he does is that he teaches, teaches on how to use the latest computer technology. So um, he's into professional development. He does that sort of stuff. And again, you know, what a blessing it is to see your children educated and doing well in life. It's a blessing, and we always need to count our blessings. And so Steve's a gadget man. How many gadget people do we have here? He's into the latest technology. He's into the latest, into the latest everything. So, um, you know, he's the one that if you've got problems with your iPad or your iPhone or your computer or something, Steve's the one that's got all the the answers, and, but don't phone him up in Brisbane. I'm not giving you his phone number, but all, because all the family already does that. So his mother-in-law came all the way from Sydney, spent, a few, spent Christmas with him, and she brought her computer, her phone, her iPad, everything, got Steve to fix it all up. He, you know, it, it's not an issue. It's not a, but, but he's a gadget man. And so, uh, so he's got to have the latest 4K television with the, you know, the 3D glasses. You know, the, you know what I'm talking about? How many gadget people have we got here? But anyway, one of his latest gadgets was intriguing. And uh, because what he's got, he's got this, these virtual reality goggles. We're talking latest technology 
that you need a supercomputer to run. Just an ordinary computer it needs to go to another level to run this baby and make it work. And um, you actually put it over your head and you enter a world. It's fascinating because when you watch a television screen, it's two dimensions. And so he, 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 he had this program where you go underwater, you go onto a coral reef. And so you can watch it on television and it's 2D and it looks pretty amazing, especially if it's 4K television. It's awesome. And then he's got these 3D glasses and, and again, you know, if you do it in, with 3D glasses, it's even more awesome. How many of you have seen 3D or gone to the movies and seen 3D? But, but even when you're in 3D, you can tell that you're watching outside. But when you put these virtual reality goggles on, you literally go into another world. And so I was literally scuba diving and in the sea, surrounded, surrounded by fish. I'm talking about so surrounded, I had fish above me, fish below me, fish behind me. It's like wherever you look. And it's very funny to watch someone with the 3D goggles on because they're behaving stupidly. <laughs> they're chasing things in the room. They're chasing things. They can see it, but you can't see it. And I mean, uh, you know, I was on this reef and I was on a shipwreck on this reef and, and I, I'm going to the edge of the ship and, and literally on my knees now and I'm peering over the edge. <laughs> and so I got these goggles on and everybody's laughing because they're saying, what a stupid thing to do. But I'm in this world. And all of a sudden this whale comes out of nowhere and, and looks at me and this big eye blinks at me and you can literally... And, and you're reaching out to touch it. It's like, my goodness, this is virtual reality world. And then I started to think, I started to think about and reflect on how too often we do life in 2D. The here and the now. And we don't put on the God goggles and see it from his perspective. Because I want to say to you this morning, there is a God perspective to do life. And when you put the God goggles on, everything changes. Your whole world changes. You see things that you weren't able to see before. You see realities that weren't there before. Or you think you know, but you only know in 2D. And when you know in 2D, you're actually removed from the whole thing. And when you put on the God goggles, you get immersed in a whole new world. And today I want to talk to you about going higher and seeing things from God's perspective and seeing your world change when you see it from God's perspective. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 because this is what it says here. It says, And raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We started this last week about being raised up and seeing, seeing yourself seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So we're talking about a higher perspective. We're talking about the perception of life from a higher perspective 
not the mundane perspective. You know, it's an amazing thing. Like, I'm up here, and I can see the back. I can see over into the sound desk. Because I'm higher, my view changes. If I were to climb up to the ceiling, my view would change even more. I'd be able to see the people on their iPads doing Facebook while I'm speaking. (laughs) Able to see who's taking notes, who's listening. You know, the higher you go, the clearer your perspective. And this is what Paul is saying. You just got to climb higher. You got to get into the heavenly places because in the heavenly places, the whole perspective changes. Everything changes. The way you see life changes. But, but, but we're talking not just going higher, but we're actually talking about seeing what God sees and seeing things the way that God sees them rather than the way we see them, which is the here and now. Everything is here and now. Everything is, how does it it affect me now? But when you get up into the heavenly places, it's past, present, and future. All of those dimensions join together. And you're able to see the way that God sees, and you're able to go into a place that God wants you to go into. So let me give you three factors to the God dimension that will just change the way you view life. There's three, there's three factors that when you put these factors into the God dimension, everything changes. So the first one is hope. Everybody say hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 talks about hope. And it talks about it in the realm of death. So Maybe some of you last year had someone in your life pass away and someone that's dear to you pass away. Or maybe someone this year is, is, is going through some stuff and, and you're fearing that their death is imminent. This is what Paul says to give us that God perspective. But I do not want you, verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is a metaphor for death. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So he's implying that as Christians, what God wants to give us is the gift of hope. The gift of hope. What an amazing thing it is to go through life full of hope rather than going through life hopeless. It's an amazing thing that we live in one of the most affluent nations on the earth and yet our suicide rate is incredibly high. One of the highest suicide rates in the world is in Japan, and they have one of the most affluent societies in the world, and yet suicide is rampant. And no one, no one contemplates suicide unless they've reached a place of hopelessness. I want to say to you that hope is a wonderful thing to have. The hope that this year is going to be a great year. As opposed to, well, I've got to the point where every year's been a bad year and I don't anticipate anything else happening this year except another bad year. And God says, but hang on, I just want to raise you up to a whole new perspective and a new perspective of where you have hope. And so he talks about hope in death. Well, so, so how many of you know, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? Well, you die. You know, I mean, what's, what's the, what, we go bankrupt? Yeah, but you're still alive. Well, we're hungry. Yeah, but you're still alive. Yeah, but, you know, we don't have anything, but you're still alive. What's the worst thing? Well, you die. 
And so he's saying, even in the most horrid and, and, and terrible situation, I still want you to have hope. Why is that? Because when you're lifted up out of the here and now into God's perspective, you see death as going from one state of being to another. And so from God's perspective, death is, you go from one form of existence to another. And so, you, you know, for us, death is the end, it's finished. But from God's perspective, no, all that happens at death is that your spirit leaves your body, but then your spirit lives on. Now, see, for some people, they don't get that. For some people, they're hearing me speak these words and they're saying, I don't believe that. Well, that's because you're only viewing life from the here and now. And from the here and now, there is no hope. There is no life after death. The here and now. And, and what's interesting is that even the Bible says that. So the book of Ecclesiastes is written from the here and now. It's the backslidden preacher. It's fascinating reading this book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And so he talks about under the sun. So this is the phrase that keeps coming up in the book of Ecclesiastes. Under the sun. So it's from this, this earthly perspective, just like the animals are, so are we. Now, you wouldn't believe this because I remember one day I was in Bible school. One of our assignments was to go door knocking. How many of you have ever been door knocking? It is, if, I mean, depends on your personality type. But I'm a bit of an introvert. And let me tell you, I died the death of a thousand cuts. Seriously. <laughs> Knock on the door and, yeah, what do you want? I'm just here to tell you about Jesus. Bang. Okay. Move on. Talk about depressing. Yeah. Knock, knock. What do you want? I'm just here to tell you about Jesus. Bang. And the dogs are chasing you down the pathway. Then we go, then we go, knock, knock. Yeah. What do you want? We're here to tell you about Jesus. Come in. What? You want us to come in? I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Come in. This is, what, this is what had happened. We just walked into a home where they were having a debate with their parents, who were Jehovah's Witnesses. And um, the kids were being you know, bashed by the parents. And they didn't have the answers. And all of a sudden, here comes two Bible school students. We're here to tell you about G. Come in. <laughs> Sit down. We're having a debate. And it was like, um, oh, my goodness. So... So, you know, it was on for young and old anyway. So we're trying to tell them about the fact that there's, you know, when you die, your spirit separates from your body and you're absent from the body present with the Lord. And they said, no, no, no. The Bible says, the Bible says that we're just like the animals. That when you die, you go into the ground just like a dog. And I said, no, that doesn't, that's not the, no. And they opened up to the book of Ecclesiastes and sure enough, and sure enough, there's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that says that when you die, just like the animals die, so do you. That's the end of it. And it was like we were stumped. It was like, how many of you know that when you're a Bible school student, you know everything? We, we were stumped and embarrassed. And it was like, and now we're trying to change subjects, but they didn't want us to change subjects. And, and all the kids are saying, hey, we thought that you were going to help us and you're as stumped as they are. Well, we know it's not right, but we just don't have all the... the so anyway, so 
I went back to Bible college, got one of my, my lecturers out, and I said, you wouldn't believe what happened. What happened? Well, we went, and we, we, we really got into a trap, and they pulled a verse out, and we didn't have a verse to count. And he says, oh, John, don't you know the book of Ecclesiastes is written by a backslider, and his whole perspective is under the sun. And so everything that he's saying is, this is what it's like from the earthly perspective, but we live in a realm above the sun. And so from the heavenly perspective, it's not the way that it is. But from the earthly perspective, that's the way that it is. And all of a sudden now I've got an answer for anyone that tries to preach out of the book of Ecclesiastes. I know how to work it. Okay, but hey, you don't know what you don't know. The point that I'm making is this, that too, too many people live under the sun perspective. S-U-N, not S-O-N, S-U-N. Everything is worldly perspective. Everything is scientific perspective. Everything is, can you measure it? Can you taste it? Can you feel it? It's the five senses. And everything in life is either real or false based on natural senses. And here we are saying, you know what? There's another realm. It's called the supernatural. It's called the spiritual realm. And you've got to believe that. And what happens is that God wants to take you up into that realm where you view life from the supernatural perspective. And when you view life from the supernatural perspective, hope comes in. You know, what, why is it that nobody asks an atheist to do a funeral service? Why is that? Because an atheist doesn't have hope. It's like, well, that's the end of it. It's all over. Why, why do they, even, even the ungodly, even the ungodly will look for a minister to do a funeral service. Why is that? Because we have hope. And everybody needs hope. People need hope. When they're stuffed, they need hope. Life without hope is hopeless. And that's why there is so much suicide and desperation and, and despair. And here's God saying, if you come up to my realm, this is one of the things that you will receive. It's hope. Here's another thing that you receive besides hope. You receive faith. Faith. What a wonderful thing faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith. It is impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here it is. This is what God says. If you seek me, I will give you the reward of faith. And with the reward of faith comes many other rewards. But seeking, seeking God is, is saying, well, where are you, Lord? In the heavenly places. Let's rise up with God in the heavenly places. Let's, let's just... Let go of the shackles that tie us down and start to rise up with God into the heavenly places. And from the heavenly places, God rewards you with faith. And, and the faith perspective is such a powerful perspective. Because the faith perspective says, you know what? I can see that God's got this. I can see that God was at the beginning, God's at the end, and God's got this all in control. See, faith is able to put perspective to all of your trials and tribulations. Without faith, your tribes, your, your tribes, your trials and tribulations seem pointless and meaningless. 
And that, again, you know, going back to the book of Ecclesiastes, that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. All is vanity, vanity of vanities. The whole thing is vain. The, the, the chasing after money, the chasing after anything is vain. There's no purpose in anything. Whereas when you rise up with the God perspective, you're able to see. And you know, this is what I've discovered. I've discovered, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 59 in a few weeks' time. And this is what I've discovered. I've discovered that every single trial and tribulation that I've ever gone through, God has used it and turned it around to bring good out of it. And I've found that every single trial and tribulation that I've gone through that's caused me pain has been your gain. I'll never forget, I mean, one of the most painful experiences for me was 20 years ago when my father died. Very painful situation. You know, someone that's been there all of your life and then has a massive heart attack and dies in his own bed right next to my mum. In bed, just bang, gone. And what a shock for my mum, especially since, you know, a few weeks earlier, her dad had died. And so within less than four weeks, her dad had died and her husband had died, bang. Just like that. And so I'm, I'm going through this incredible pain of losing my father, but had hope that one day we'll be reunited. But here I am, you know, just telling the stories of my own journey. And so many people coming up to me afterwards saying, John, thank you so much for being so honest in your grief, being so, so open in your grief, because it's actually helping me. And I'm realizing, man, I'm, I'm going through my own grief. But in my trial, in my tribulation, it's actually helping somebody else. And it gives value. It actually gave value to my trial and my tribulation. And this is what I find. I find that, that I actually, as a pastor, become more relatable to people when they know my own trials and tribulations. You know, this is the amazing thing. When I tell you about your success, when I tell you about my successes, some of you sit there and say, yeah, 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 what well, we expected of you. But when I tell you about my trials and tribulations, when I tell you about my tests, everybody leans in. You know, for me to say, yeah, Anne and I are doing, we do life incredibly. We've got a great marriage. Everybody says, yeah, 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 yeah. But when I say, oh, do you want to hear about, do you want to hear about the fights that Anne and I have had? Now we're really, really interested. What? You guys have fights? Yeah. Tell us more. So, yeah, the fact is, we do have trials and temptations. Yeah, we do have fights. Yeah. Now, we, we don't have fisticuff fights. That's ridiculous. That's, you know, we've certainly grown beyond fisticuff fights, but we do have very strong opinions. And, um, but we have to bring it to the table. And, and yeah, there are times when we just don't agree and we have to sort of... We, we're going to have to talk about this later, but we're too angry at the moment to talk this through. Why, you guys get angry? Yeah, I know that we do, but we have to resolve that. And so... And so we do resolve and we found ways to resolve it. And we, found, and, and we found tricks that we adopt. And one of the tricks that we adopt is the winner of the argument is not the one who holds out the longest, but the one who's the first to apologize. 
What? Yeah, anybody can hold out. Anybody can hold out. Anybody can stay there in a half for week after week, but that's the weak person. Who's the strong person? The strong person is the one that says, listen, I'm really sorry. What can I do to make this better? I'm the one that's willing to put the hard work in. That's the winner. Now, you know what? When you're in the middle of the argument, there is no way that you can have got enough mental capacity to see that. It's when you're not in argument that you work out how do we resolve arguments? How do we resolve this? How do we bring this to a place where if we ever do have an argument, this is the way we're going to resolve it? See, the other thing is this. you know, Too often what happens... Those of you that are in the second service, um, you're preaching a whole different message to the first service, Pastor John. That's okay because we've got different people. It's fine. <laughs> Again, you know... This is the wisdom that comes from our, my own trials and tribulations. It's the wisdom that comes from the journey that you have to go through to get maturity. What happens with a lot of people is they get older, but they don't get mature. And the reason they don't get mature is because they never learn from the trials and tribulations that have come their way. My, my prayer is this, is that every trial and tribulation that comes my way, I learn from it. I learn from it. You know, I learned from being betrayed a few years ago where, you know, talk about a knife in your heart and the twist of the knife in your heart. When you get betrayed from someone that you love and they betray you and, and, and put the knife in your heart, then that's where you learn forgiveness. And you begin to learn that forgiveness is not just a one-off thing, it's a continual thing. So through the betrayal that went through, you know, our church a few years ago, you know, there are times where... You've just got to constantly forgive. It's like, I remember forgiving two years ago, but I still got to do it again. Yeah, still got to do it again. Why? Because you can watch a movie, you can be exposed to a situation where the whole thing comes up again. You know, a question is asked and the whole thing comes up again. And kaboom, it's like all this emotion comes up and yeah, break somebody's legs or whatever. Get my cousins onto the job. We can fix things. Yeah. Or you say, no, Lord, this is your job to do that. My job is to forgive. Forgiveness. And forgiveness is the most godlike quality that you can ever manifest and demonstrate. But you know what? It's easy for me to get up on the stage and say, you've got to forgive. It's another thing when you're exposed to betrayal and you're exposed to scenarios that where your heart is broken, you've been betrayed, and you get to a point where, wow, I've never been hurt that, that bad ever. You know, it's one thing for me to preach forgiveness. It's, you know, it's, what was fascinating is that I was doing a series on being unoffendable, living life. How many of you remember that? Being life un unoffendable. And all of a sudden, I got terribly offended, unbelievably offended. And it was like, now, John, can you put it into practice? And it just takes it to another level. And you know what? By God's grace, he's given me the empowerment to be able to do so. And so I can stand here and say, I've been offended, I've been betrayed, but you know what? I've forgiven. I've forgiven. And you know what? I can talk about those scars and wounds, and I don't get angry and just want to get revenge. I've forgiven. It's in God's hands. It's done. It's dealt with. But this is... Are you getting this? That, that sometimes to get the God perspective, you've got to rise up and see God. When I was in the middle of that, I couldn't see any worth... I couldn't see any value. If anything, I saw it as horrid. 
But now when I rise up to your perspective, I actually see value in my trial and tribulation. I actually put value on it from your perspective. I was cursing it. I was saying what a horrid, horrid, horrid thing it is. But from your perspective, it's actually valuable. It's actually helpful. It's actually relatable. And people are actually able to get something out of it. See, that's where faith comes in, that all things do work together for good to those that are called according to your purpose. That the enemy does mean things for bad, Genesis 50 verse 20. But God will turn it around for good. But you've got to get to the God perspective to get it. And if you're not at the God perspective, you'll never get it. Let me tell you the third thing. Hope, faith. Here's the other one, trust. What God wants to give you when you rise up to those heavenly places is this trust. And the trust that underneath are the everlasting arms. This trust that God's got it. You know, one, one of my favorite life-impacting scriptures in the Bible is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This, these, these two verses have been foundational in my life and Anne's life throughout our whole ministry. They've been foundational. When it comes to finding the will of God, when it comes to finding direction, these are the verses that we turn to. It's about trusting God. Not with all of your head, but with all of your heart. How many of you know that when you trust God with all of your head, that sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off? Uh, but trusting God with all of your heart, that, that whole thing of God, you've got this. You're, you're at the beginning, you're at the end, you're in the middle. You've got this. Trusting God. Trusting God. Leaning not on your own understanding. How many of you know that our understanding is limited? Hmm? How many of you know that the older you get, the more your understanding you, you're supposed to get? How many of you remember when, when you were just a little kid, you know, you thought you knew everything? I think it was Mark Twain that said, when I was 18, I was convinced my father knew nothing. By the time I was 21, I was amazed at how much my father had learnt in three years. <laughs> Life has a tendency of increasing our understanding. And the more understanding you get, the more you realize how little you really do know. And it humbles you. It really does humble you. And I can still remember when I was in Bible school. Man, I knew it all. It was amazing how much I knew. I'd done the research. I had the arguments. I had the proof texts. I knew it all. So I was argumentative. I could get into great arguments. And I found at the end of the day, at the end of the day, nobody ever congratulated me on winning the argument. I found at the end of the day, nobody said, congratulations, John. You made me look like an idiot. You showed me how stupid I was. You actually proved that you're more intelligent than me. Let me shake your hand and you've won the argument. You're the intelligent one. I'm the idiot. Nobody's ever done that, ever. I find that arguing doesn't win your friends. It just doesn't even win your arguments. Arguing just, it's, it's arrogance, it's pride, it's whatever. So, you know, is there debating? Is there, is there a place for iron to sharpen iron? Yeah, it is. But with respect and with, just with a sense of humility. Humility is such a beautiful thing to have. 
And so here it is. Here's what this verse says. Come on, stop leaning on your own understanding. You don't know that much. You think you do, but really, in the light of things, you really don't know that much. So trust in God, not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. But this trust, this trust is such an important thing. You know, I can still remember learning to swim. Newcastle baths, back in the mid-60s, days like today, after church, we'd go to Newcastle baths. and we'd, um, we, my, my dad was able to swim and he was wanting to teach me to swim. And I can still remember, I might have been five or six years of age and dad would take me to the deep water. Oh man, that was scary. You know, shallow water was cool. While my feet were on the ground, I felt safe. But when my feet were not on the ground, fear would grip me. And I can still remember as a five, six-year-old kid just being afraid and hanging onto my father's neck. And, and what my dad would do, he'd put his hands underneath my belly and hold me up. While I felt those hands holding me up, I felt safe. But he wanted to teach me to swim. And so what he would try to do is take his hands away to get me to float. But there's absolutely no way that I would let him take his hands away. Why is that? Because fear of sinking would grip my heart. I eventually, I eventually learned to swim. But it was only when I overcame my fear. And so he's God wanting us to, to swim with him and trust him. But fear sometimes just paralyzes us. Fear of the future fear of the present, fear of the past, fear of the past mistakes being duplicated again and just fearing. And God's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me that I've got this? Will you trust me that I've got your best at stake? See, decisions become easy with God. Obedience becomes easy with God when you trust him. Obedience is really difficult when you don't trust him. When you think you know the best way, how do, you, how do you obey God when God is saying, I want you to do something different? See, trust says, God, your way is the best way. And you know what? This is what I've had to learn right at the beginning of my ministry, that God's way is always the best way. I, I've had to learn that God is a good God. Everybody say God's a good God. I've had to learn that, that God's got my best at his heart, that God wants me to live the best life, not the second, the third, or the fourth right, but the very best. And so when he asks me to do something, it's never to hurt me. It's always to help me. Obedience and trust is connected. How many remember the old hymn, trust and obey? There's no other way, but trust and obey. Trust. And some of you say, but I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it. And nothing works. Well, keep, keep, keep hanging in there because you could be just millimeters from your breakthrough but you know i've tried i've just gone this way and i'm just i'm just tired and i just don't want to go any further and i'm just disappointed with god and and trust says you never give up on god because he's a good god he'll see you through trust and that's the god perspective trust becomes easy when you rise up and you view it from God's perspective. Let me, let me finish this morning. I, you know, it's, it's a hot day and I don't want to prolong it. Just if you can come up, Sam, and just play something for me. By the way, it's great to have Sam back. He just come back from Italy. Was it good in Italy? It was great in Italy. Did you have it gelato every day? Twice a day. 
That's me, twice a day, gelato. No, probably. Was it twice or twice a day? Twice a day. Why would you need anything else? Breakfast gelato, dinner gelato, and in the meantime, you can fast. Beautiful. Let, let me finish this morning by saying this. God's way is the best way. But sometimes you don't, you don't believe it because you can't see it. If I could take you into the heavenly places, I could lift you up. If I could lift you up into the heavenly places where you put the God goggles on and you're not just seeing life in the two dimensions of the here and now, but you're seeing life from the God perspective. You can see the, the beginning. You can see the present. You can see the future. Ah, the future? Oh, I'd love to see the future. Well, you know what? When you're in God's hands, all that God wants to tell you about the future is, I've got this. What, what I've got for you is going to work and it's going to be your best and you're going to live a life of fulfillment and impact. Obviously, it's going to cost you. There's nothing. I don't, I don't want to ever tell people that life does not have its trials and tribulations because that's not true. Life does have its trials and tribulations. And you know what? As much as I want to protect you from it, as you do your children, you can't stop them from having their own trials and tribulations. You know, you can't stop them from falling over. How many of you will, will, will try to protect your kids from falling over? But you know what? They're going to bump their head on a chair. They're going to fall over. They're going to do stuff like that. That's life. But they learn. That's the way they learn. So sometimes our overprotectiveness can stop them from learning. Now, please, don't throw your kids over a cliff and say, well, told you don't jump over the cliff. So, no. There's, there's lessons in life that God allows us to go through, but also gives us the grace to come through. That's the God perspective. And stop blaming God for every bad thing that happens your way. Stop saying, God, this is your fault. God says, no, you tripped. It's your fault, but I'll come and help you through it. I'll come and support you. I'll come and encourage you. I'll come and heal your wounds. I won't stand back and say, you stupid person, why did you fall over? He'll run and embrace you and hold you up. But you've got to get God into your life. You've got to get God into the center of it. You can't have God just in a theological textbook on the shelf in your library and just pull him out when you need a reference. You need to have him in your life. And one of the things that, that I decided to do every single day is just hold on to God and say, God, let's do life together. What I'm doing now, I'm saying, God, give me greater understanding. Give me the God goggles that I, I'm actually able to perceive better and see life from your perspective higher so I can go deeper, higher so I can go deeper. And today, if you want to go higher, all you've got to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive my sins. Jesus, I don't want anything to hold me back. I just make a commitment to follow you. It's as simple as that. Just invite him into your life and you will go higher. You know, some of you are saying, yeah, I believe in God. Well, so does the devil. He believes in God. See, it's the, the breakthrough for you is not just belief, it's commitment. Belief is the beginning, but it's not the end. Commitment, it's following him. I believe and I follow. I believe and I follow. I believe and I obey. And today, if you're at a point where you say, you know what, John, I'm ready to make that commitment 
follow Jesus. I'd love to pray for you. Thanks for listening to this message from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.